today As she slips in Trying to fade into the faces The girls teasing laughter is carrying Farther than they know Farther than they know But if we are the body here today. Good morning. God is good all the time. All the time. Let's stand up. All right, put your hands together. Worship the Lord today.
shakes the whole earth with all his thunder, who leaves us breathless with all in wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love that you would take my place. You would bear my cross. You would lay down your life that I would be set free. Whoa, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me.
nothing can separate even if i ran away your love never fails i know i still make mistakes but you have new mercies for me every day your love never fails you stay the same through the ages your love never changes there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning I know that you love me for my good You make all things work together for my good You make all things work together for my good You make all things work together for my good You make all things work together for my good. One more time, you make. You make all things work together for my good. And you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Work together for my good. 
all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. One more time, here we go. You make all things work together for my good. You stay. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Because I know that you love me. You make all things work together for my good. Let's hear it from you. Let's hear everybody sing. You make. Time. Here we go. You make all things work together for my good. Lord God, we just want to thank you and praise you that in all things you work for, for good. And, um, and God, we know that many of us are living in, in, a, in a point in life where we're just carrying around as our, this theme of the series is baggage that we've been carrying around through life. But God, you want to take that and make it into something good. So for those who are here today and those who are joining us on Church Online, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way here today. And we, we recognize that you, that you had this amazing, amazing grace for us, this love for us that nobody has and that, um, and that it never fails us. Uh, we may fail you, but you never fail us. And for that, God, we just ask that the rest of this time here today that your Spirit will just move in a mighty, mighty way. In Christ's name, amen. Say hello to somebody while you're All right, good morning. Guess what? August is almost here. Where'd that come from, right? Huh? Um, we want to welcome everybody here today. As you can tell, I'm dealing with another cold. I got rid of it. I got something back. And aren't summer colds the worst? They just feel horrible. So, 
Somehow I got it back in the last couple days, but we want to welcome anybody who's visiting with us today. Hopefully you got a card, you received a card. We want you to fill it out. We have a small gift thanking you for being part of our worship. As well, we want to um, welcome anybody who's part of church online. We know that during the summer, many people are traveling. Um, how many of you had a vacation already? How many wish you were on vacation permanently, right? Wouldn't that be great? So I'm with you. Uh, vacation is a good thing, a real good thing. So we want to go ahead and just lift up, um, just lift everybody up who's traveling. And we know many, um, I ran into a couple who've just been traveling all summer. So um, we want to go ahead and just uh, thank God for that time to be with family, but also for traveling mercies. Um, if you want to become a member of Haven, um, August 14th, that's just um, in a couple weeks, two weeks, we have, uh, um, we're going to have a class right afterwards. Um, and so if you, you'd like to sign up for that, please go ahead and do so. Sunday prayer time, you can see that some people have been gathering and praying for the worship service um, early on. Um, if you'd like to join them, there's information about that. Radical Bible study. It, it says Bible study, but it's really just a, a study, Radical, um, by David Platt. It's, um, it's, I will tell you, it's, gonna, it's, it's good. Anybody ever read Radical before? Just wondering. Okay, there's been a couple, uh, a couple people. Radical will... Um, it will press you. It'll have you uh, look at your life and your relationship with God. It's good. Um, and so I think it's a good time that we as Christians go ahead and evaluate, reevaluate who we are and who, who the God is that we worship. And I think it's an awesome, awesome thing to do. And um, so I want to just show this brief video. Melinda, will you show that brief video for us? The mantra of the American dream is to advance yourself hard work, ingenuity, innovation, you can have it all. The frightening reality of the gospel, Jesus does call us to give up everything we have. We have a master who demands radical obedience. A mission that warrants radical urgency. And we do not have time waste our lives living out a Christian spin on the American dream. The most glorious reason you exist is for the proclamation of the glory of God to the ends of the earth. And it's more than having a nice life. It's about giving our lives and our families and our jobs for the proclamation of the glory of Christ to the ends of the earth. If we're going to live for the sake of 4.5 billion lost people and thousands and thousands and thousands of kids who are dying every day because they don't have food on their table, then that means radical change in our lives and our families and church. Church, we are plan A, and there is no plan B. All right, so Radical will begin next week, um, and it's a great opportunity just to really, um, I, I always like things that press us. I always think that's what, um, what, we, what we should have. So this will be really, really good. We do have uh, sign-ups. Uh, there's not a sheet there, but I know there's sheets on the side. If you want to um, sign up for Radical, by all means, go ahead and just pass that on. Um, we have like 50-some people, right, correct, that are participating in it. Um, and also, if you'd like to host or you want to um, connect, you can go ahead and do that as well. Um, and so you can see that we have a prayer for the Radical Bible Study um, that I will um, end this announcement session, session with as we go into prayer for our offering. Um, next Sunday, um, we have a team meeting for our Haven's Helping Hands. 
that'll be after church. Uh, Monarch Kits, you can see that. We'll continue to support. Parish Foundation. I talked to Bonnie, and she said that we um, have several opportunities for August 21st. You know what it means? We have several slots open that can go ahead and connect and help out with Parish Foundation. I saw Mike Brandon the other day. And um, so if you want to connect with, with Parish Foundation, you've never done that before. It's an awesome opportunity. We've always been, uh, been um, connected and, and met the needs, and we do that every month. So if you're willing and able, go ahead, and you can sign up. You can contact Bonnie, or um, you can connect with her right back there. And then the Bell Cafe, we have that as well. Yeah. Yeah, a big thank you um, for the Monarch House. Um, donated to supply welcome kits. Uh, we donated 10 bags worth of needed items, estimated $200, including more than 50 tubes of toothpaste and 50 toothbrushes. So um, these kits, kits are a gift of love for those struggling with addiction, and your support made all the difference. So thank you for, for really connecting and doing that. And we can continue to support them if you want to continue to do that. All right, let's look at our, our prayer request. Um, if you're watching online, you can go ahead and um, add that online. We'll connect there. Or if you um, want to go ahead and just jot that down, we'll make sure that that gets on our prayer list. Um, a happy birthday to Jessica Hash. Is Jessica? She's, a, she's at where with the kids? Yeah, so she's, she, her birthday treat is she's going ahead and helping with the kids. Um, so we want to um, wish her a happy birthday. Also, um, my little guy, Judah, had a birthday, nine yesterday, and he said, Daddy, can you mention that in church? And I said, all right. So, so you can tell him I did. All right. Um, Rhonda Elkins and Carl Elkins asked for healing for a grandson, um, Bennett, for his elbow needs possible surgery. Um, he is 16 and lives in Colorado, so we want to lift him up in prayers. Melinda is asking for prayers for her husband, John who has MS and the new um, medication to help. But in the process of this, they found out that he, need, he's gonna, he has to have several surgeries. One is a neck surgery, which he's going to have on the 10th. One is a right elbow surgery on the 18th, and a left elbow surgery on the 26th. Um, and he has, his neck is for three herniated discs and elbow for pinched nerves. So he has a lot of different things that are going on there, and we're, um, they've been focused on MS, but we're hoping that with the surgeries, that'll release the other the herniated disc and the, um, also the pinched nerves to give him uh, freedom and make, maybe have a, a better um, form of life. All right? So we want to go ahead and lift that up. Are there anything else that we need to lift up? Yes. All right. All right. Yeah, Ray's been through some surgeries, and I know that's awesome. That's very good. Anything else? All right. Let's go to Lord in prayer, if we can. Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and um, I'm going to start off by just lifting up the prayer that's in our, our bulletin today. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we humbly ask you to send your Holy Spirit to place in our hearts of the Haven Church family a strong desire to study, learn, and grow and walk with you. And may your hand of blessing and protection uh, be upon me as the pastor and everyone else as we prepare and deliver the sermons to enhance and impact the text. We do want to know you in a deeper, more personal way and pray that our hearts may be open to understand what Jesus really means when he says, follow me. May we come to understand that we have been blessed for a purpose I will bring glory to you, Heavenly Father. Make us willing to be radically transformed 
and to show us how to build treasures in heaven by how we live on earth today, both individually and as a body of believers as we prepare for this next, this next week as we are praying the radical, uh, preparing for the radical series. And so God, I pray that everybody who is here or anyone who is watching as part of Church Online will take this and will pray this uh, prayer throughout the next six weeks or so as we, these different prayers as we uh, set our hearts for, to have a radical relationship with you and change the world much as your 12 disciples did. And so God, there are so many other needs that we lift up here. There are surgeries, um, there are uh, birthdays, there are other kinds of challenges that we, we deal with uh, day in and day out. There's people with MS and, and people who have all, that have a young men who has a elbow surgery. There's those of us who've been dealing with a summer cold. There's those of us who are dealing with loss and pain. And there's others of us, God, who is just, it seems like the center is just moved, that we're, we've gotten a little further away from you. And we don't know why we've gotten further away from you, but we just feel a distance, a distance that's there. And and we know that you haven't moved. We know that it's been us. And so, God, whatever it may be, we just pray that, um, that you'll just bring a restoration to our lives, that you'll just bring a healing in our hearts. You'll bring a healing in our minds. We've been spending the last three weeks, including today, talking about baggage. We all have it. We all try to cope with it. But it weighs every single one of us down in this life that you promised that we would have and have to abundance and overflowing. And so, God, during the remainder of this time, as we now move to the worship time where we go ahead and, and give of your tithe and our offerings, God, I want to pray for the giver and the tither, whether here or whether it be at a click of a mouse online. Whatever it may be, God, that you take that and you use that to do your ministry here. I'm weak. You're strong. We, we are disobedient. You are faithful. And God, just continue to pour out your blessing, not on us, just, just so that we can have the finer things or, or say, look at us. But God, that you can meet the needs in our world. And so Lord, we love you. Forgive us for when we don't display that. But ultimately, God, move in a mighty way in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. As you send your Holy Spirit on these gifts. Amen.
Good morning. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 through 32. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Naor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Right, I gave you a little bit of different song, uh, a little bit of different opening video today for um, for our video. Um, I think that's the first time I've ever heard somebody applaud for reading scripture. Way to go! <laughs> um, uh, we know who to go to when I do Leviticus, right? So, no, right. Um, so, yeah. Um, there, I, I think I've said this before, but there was a guy. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but in one of my first churches I ever served. Um, Phil and Phil, we were doing a disciple Bible study and we were, we were going around reading and there was all kinds of names. And he just started saying wheelbarrow. And I was like, where does that come from? He said, I had a Sunday school teacher who said, if you don't have a clue what to say, just say wheelbarrow and keep going. So, um, so there's a lot of wheelbarrows in that verse today. And so I thank Glenda for, uh, for reading that. That's awesome. All right, let's just open with prayer. Lord God, um, once again, we come to you today, and we are just so grateful for who you are, um, that when we are weak, um, such as in my cold and other things, you make us strong. Um, And God, we just thank you that you just have such a great love for us, and that you, um, you recognize that through life, we carry around a lot of things. 
And uh, over the last couple weeks, we've talked about claiming that we have baggage. We've talked about emotional baggage. And today, God, we're going to talk about the source of a lot of this stuff through relational baggage. And so um, I just ask that you empty me out of who I am and that you fill me with your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. As I said, the first week, we talked about uh, baggage claim and claiming that we have baggage. That's part of the victory, just recognizing that we have it, right? Um, a lot of our coping mechanisms are, no, nah, I don't have any baggage. I'm good. I'm good. How many ever said, I'm good? I got this. Okay? Um, so we have that. Last week, we spent some time, we talked about emotional baggage and about how do we overcome the emotional baggage that accumulates in our lives. And in this series, I, you know, as I've been thinking about this, many of us um, don't enjoy the journey that we're on because we carry a lot of stuff with us. We don't take time to enjoy it. We kind of hobble through life. And God had never intended for us to put up with stuff or to, to cope with things. He didn't say, I came that you may have life and be able to cope with it. Um, I came that you may have um, life and be able to tolerate all that stuff you're dealing with, did he? But that's how we exist and we just accept it. We say, this is life. That's, how many of you have ever said, that's eh, life? And really what you're saying is, this really stinks, but eh, I'm breathing, right? And many of us do that. Our mentality is to accept what we, the predicament that we have. So today is probably one of the most serious in the whole series, if not the most serious, and it's the most real. And I believe, why? Because I believe that most of our baggage in life comes from relational baggage. Relational baggage. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever broken a bone? Who's ever broken a bone? Raise your hand. Now, I want, right now, what I want you to do, turn to the person next to you, even if you don't know them, and just talk to them, tell them how you broke a bone. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that means talk. Go, 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 go. Do it, do it. How many have a really cool story how you broke a bone? Okay. All right. All right. Now, how many of you have had more than 30 stitches in your life? Okay. Turn to somebody and tell them about your stitches. Go ahead. Tell them about it. You probably have an even cooler story about why you have stitches, right? All right. Here we go. Um, how many of you have, have ever had a knife wound? Raise your hand. You guys really want to know that story, don't you? You know, I know. All right, I won't let, you don't have to tell that one, but let's go to the next one. Um, how many have, a gun, have had a gunshot wound? Anybody? Oh, I see one. We all want to know, don't we? We all want to know the gunshot wound. Some people want to move over a little bit, but some people really want to know. I've, I've been doing a lot of ancestry stuff, and um, I had a, my, my great-great-grandfather had a pawn shop and actually shot himself in the hand. One time. He got, he got the guns mixed up. So I'm fine. I just found this out the other day. So be careful. All right. Um, how many of you ever shot somebody? No, you don't have to tell us that. Um, we'll just keep that where it is. All right. So, um, but a lot of times we, what we learn, anybody who's been through some kind of physical thing knows when that, when that happens, the pain is horrific, right? The pain hurts. Like how many of you broke a bone that just snapped and it hurt? Am I right? Did it hurt? Is it like something you want to do again? No, no, no. But it hurts so bad. But you know that in physical pain, you may have some scars, but eventually you will get through it, right? You'll heal up. Now, the reason why I want to share this is because any kind of physical pain often leaves a scar. 
and it'll heal and you can get over it. But the wound of the heart is a far greater pain. The wound of the heart is um, more difficult to get over. That whole thing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, is such a lie. It is such a lie. It's actually the worst. Sticks and stones, I'll go out and I'll hurt, but eventually I'll heal up. It's the stuff that's said or done that seems to leave lasting scars for the remainder of your life. And as a pastor, I know a couple things when we talk about these relational um, scars and, and wounds. I know that everybody has been wounded and hurt, right? Everybody has been wounded and hurt, right? That's not rhetorical. You're supposed to say yes, okay? And if you say no, you're lying, Um, and you're in denial. Uh, you've, You've had a relational tragedy. You've had a relational disappointment. Someone that you loved died too soon. You thought they were going to be there for you, and they died, and you don't know what to do with that now, and it left you with this wound that you can't heal. Um, You've had a uh, you've had maybe you've had relational abuse where somebody that you loved abused you. Remember the numbers I gave last week about young girls who are one out of every four young girl is uh, the statistics say will be sexually abused by somebody they know or somebody in, in a position of authority. For others, it just may be, it may be a mental abuse or some other kind of thing. Sometimes, a lot of people don't look at it as abuse, but many, many people probably grew up in a home or had a family member that was so critical of you, they just broke you down every time, right? You know anybody like that? So we have this kind of thing. Um, it may have been a broken relationship, uh, a divorce, a job, a friend, somebody who you thought was a friend, and it just broke off. So that's the first thing. The one thing that I know is that everybody has been wounded and hurt. And the other thing I can say for sure is few people deal with it properly. Um, The common wisdom of our life is time heals all. That's wrong, isn't it? Time just kind of buries them over and allows it to get get, get, uh, diseased and infected. Time doesn't heal anything. The Bible actually tells us this. It says the longer the untreated wound it gets, the worse it gets in our lives. So today what we're going to do, as Linda very well uh, shared with us, I am going to share with you a very obscure story about a very little known biblical character named Terah. But he has some famous relatives, and one really, really famous, who you may have seen up here listed as Abram, who at this time, his name was Abram, but he becomes Abraham, who is the guy that the world's three main faiths look after. So he's a very, very important person as we look at uh, the world and scripture. Um, and the reason why, and he also had a grandson named Lot, who was very important as well. Now, the, the significant is significant because this account is really a good one about relational baggage. <coughs> and we're going to learn a lot about this. So let's look at this again. And, um, and I, I don't expect anybody to do anything I won't, so I too will read this wheelbarrow verse. So you can hang in here. Now, what we start is it says, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. Okay, so he has three kids. Three sons, right, three sons at this point. And Abraham, we know a lot about. A lot of Genesis is written about him. Nahor, which we don't know much about. And Haran, which this is all we know about. And Haran had a son named Lot, who we do know a lot more about. So let's go <clears throat> I'll look a little bit more here. So it says uh, right here, And while his father Terah was still alive, 
Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. So they're from Ur. How'd you like to be from Ur? Where are you from? Ur. What? Is that, did you eat something bad? Ur. Yeah, it's a, okay, from Ur. But what we have here is while they're at home in the place that they, the family grew up, we have Terah, who's the father, three sons, grandson that we've known so far, and one of his sons dies prematurely before his father does. We don't know. It's either probably a disease or an accidental death of some sort that we have here. Now, what I will say is many of us, one of the things I shared is many of us know the pain of someone dying prematurely or very suddenly and not expecting it. And I can tell you in in the years of my life and also in the years of being a pastor, one of the most horrific things that I've been able to be part of is when a child dies, whether they're 50 years old and the parent's 70, or whether it's a, a five-year-old and a 30-year-old, there's just something so wrong about that, right? That there's something, that that's something that I pray about and I say, oh God, please, please, please don't ever have me deal with that pain of having to bury my child. And, and June shared last week when she was here about that pain of having that. And I know several others have had that pain that I've been in ministry with over the years. And it's, it's something that never goes away. I remember my grandmother who lost twins when they were like six, seven months and, and um, they were getting ready to be born. And she talked about it in her 90s like it had just happened. There's a pain that is there about losing a child. So here we have Heron, who's obviously old enough to have a child and be married and et cetera, et cetera. But to his father, Terah, it's still his little boy. You with me? And there's this painful loss experience that occurs here. And we recognize that with death, that it's just, death does something. There's been several people in my life that have been close to me that when they died, it just left this pain. I remember when um, my, my wife's grandfather died the other year and we had to tell the kids. I remember Judah sitting at the table crying and saying, my heart hurts. Right? That was one of the things he said, my heart hurts. And you guys understand that, who've experienced loss like that. And that's one of the things, that's what Terah is going through here. Okay? So that's where we are at this point. Abraham and Nahor were both married. Abraham's wife was Sarai, who later gets to be Sarah, who ends up being the, the mother of Isaac. Okay? And um, the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was daughter of Haran. I know, it's a little Jerry Springer-ish. Just go with it, okay? The father of both Milcah and Issachah. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. That sets up a whole bunch later on, all right? So, now we'll pick up in 31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they sent out. So here you have Abraham's family, Lot, who is the grandson, and Terah leaving or the Chaldeans. We don't know why they set out, but I'm going to bet that it just wasn't the same without a son heron there. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just need a change when stuff happens. Something made him want to change. So where they set out from? Where they set out from? Where was their place? Ur. They set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Now, Canaan is the promised land. It is Israel. It is the promised land of God, the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, here's what I think is really interesting here. We have all heard that Abraham heard the call from God to leave and go. 
But I'm going to say something to you today that I really believe. It's not backed up fully, but it's there. I believe that maybe this was God first calling this family to go to the promised land from Ur. Now, hold on here. Now listen to what happens. So they're headed from Ur of the Chaldeans to Canaan, the promised land of God that God is promising them. And here's what happens. But when they came to where? Haran. Wait a second. When they came to Haran, what did they do? They stopped. What was the son's name? Ah, here we go. Somewhere between Ur and Canaan, they came to a place with the same name of his deceased son. Terah was forced to face his greatest relational pain. He came to a place that was named the same thing as his son. And it actually, Haran actually means, you ready for this? Mountain and hill. He came to a point that was the biggest relational mountain he experienced in his life. When he was headed to a promised land, and what did he do? He stopped. He settled there. To get to the place that God was calling his family, he had, the place of blessing, he had to go through the point of his deepest pain, the mountain of his deepest pain. He doesn't pass through, but he stops there, and he never gets to the place he set out for. Listen to what it says in verse 32. One of the saddest verses of this section of Scripture. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. He set out for Canaan, but he died in Haran. He never got to go where he set out because he could not deal with the relational baggage, the greatest relational hurt of his life to this point. Now, as you see, when we look at life honestly, we recognize that there are certain things that mess us up in life, that define us. It may be the way your mother or father treated you, and it kind of messes you up and defines you as who you are. The brokenness of the first person that you fell in love with, that when that breakup happened, because you all kind of had, we all kind of had that storybook romance. We've been, we had fairy tales pumped in our minds so long. Obviously, this was going to be the person that was going to love me forever. And guess what? When it broke up, it defined us, didn't it? We have abuse. It defines us. We have divorce. It defines us. We may have been bullied and and threatened as kids, and that defines who we are. I remember there was a group as um, a group of young boys who were kind of like thugs in uh, Northeast when I was growing up. And I remember walking down to Kramer's five and ten, and one of the older guy took my hat. One day, that's not funny, Lisa. He took my hat, but the good thing was I was friends with the middle brother who beat him up and gave me my hat back. All right. But, you know, when you saw them, you kind of got like, ooh, what are they going to do to me, right? You know, anybody ever experienced that, those kind of things in my life? Those decisions start to define us, and they start to mess us up. We may have had a situation where in our life we had a relationship or we made a choice, and, that, and by whatever happened there, it caused a pattern the rest of our lives. Don't kid yourself. You, uh, the, the developmental psychologists are right. We are a product of our lives, And we carry that through in our developmental stages. Many times in our lives, there are things that just seem to paralyze us. Paralyze us. So what I want to do, I want to start off by giving you three things in the life of Tara that are relational wounds and display relational wounds to us. And then you guys are going to write them down. 
and we're going to work on ways to heal through that, and then we're all going to praise God and have a wonderful week in God and get ready for radical, right? Why well, take a drink and hope this cold goes away? All right, number one. The number one thing that relational wounds do to us is it keeps us from our full potential. It keeps us from our full potential. You will never, ever get to where you want to go if you don't deal with the hurt, the, the hurt, the pain, and the wound in your life. One of the biggest things that tends to happen when we have this, let's call it Haran, this mountain, this pain in our life, is that I've recognized when people get hurt, they get crazy. They get insane. They get, as some people like to call it, ignorant. Right? They get ignorant. And what do I mean by this? We're a little bit warped when we're hurt. When something happens, we just don't think right. We don't think properly. I've seen many people do the craziest things when they're having issues with their marriage. They'll just do something crazy. When I've seen people, when there's something that happened in their job and it's just not feeling right, they'll do something crazy and completely go. Um, I've seen people that do dangerous things. How many of you have those friends that are just like daredevils? They just do the weirdest, craziest things. And you're like, what are you doing? What in the world? But there's something going on there that just causes them to do some of the craziest things. And then I want you to look at this verse in Psalm 73, um, verse 21 and 22. It says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was what? How many of you ever had those times in your life where you're just grieved so much you can't make sense of anything? At all. You'll just do, I know, I've known people when they grieve and they've not slept and they're depressed and etc. They will do stuff that makes no sense at all. And so the scripture tells us, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. In other words, when you're hurt, sometimes you just lose your mind. Hurting doesn't help us think right. And I want you to hear this big statement. When Satan attacks you, it's just not about the situation that, uh, and the struggle and the pain that you're with. It's that Satan wants to stop you from something bigger in life. It's not always just the thing that's causing you to lose your mind and not get there. Satan wants to stop you from getting to Canaan in your life. He will throw Haran in your way so that you don't get to Canaan in your life. We get so locked in on that thing in our life. Remember we did that series, That Thing? We get so locked in, there's something bigger, and we often end up so trapped and paralyzed that we never reach our full potential, and we're much like Tara. We end up spending the rest of our life dying in that situation that, that harmed us so much. Number two, relational wounds pollute our other relationships. What we see when we have relational wounds is that when we have relational wounds, it begins to harm the relationships that are really good. When you've been messed up by another person, you realize you don't know how to have relationships with other people. I've known people who had a breakup in a relationship, a divorce, and then when they went into the next relationship, they carried that same baggage in with them. And then we'll carry it into the next one. And the same stuff is there without ever dealing with it. And before you know it, they're polluting every relationship around them because they don't know how to deal with people one-on-one. They don't know how to have relationships. Like, for instance, 
Sometimes you may just be a dad who is just angry and nasty all the time and you say incredibly hurtful things and, th- and then you all of a sudden look and you go, why am I doing this? But what you're doing is it might, I, I will bet, I would just bet that it would comes from another situation or some other baggage you're dealing with and you're applying it to your kids because they're an easy target and guess what? You're ruining the relationship with them. You are giving them baggage that they're going to have to deal with years later because you haven't dealt with your baggage and so you're throwing it at them. Right? Anybody, anybody live in these worlds? Okay? I just want, I want to know that. Um, what ends up happening is the people that actually, that you like and that like you, that care about you, that love you and want to be there for you because of all the hurt and because of all the harm and because of the haran in your life, you go ahead and you harm them as well. You've been wounded, and that will have a negative impact on other people. We've always heard the statement, hurt people do what? Hurt people. People who have that, you know, like I can tell you, I am someone who I can tell you that in my life I've always been kind of an open, loving person, and I'm I'm always like a half glass half empty with, per, with somebody. I always see the potential in someone rather than the reality. And I can tell you that with seeing, it, with, with dis, dis, dismissing the reality of people in my life for the potential of who they can be in Christ has often left me very hurt in my life. Anybody else like me? That you look at the, what this person can be if God gets hold of them, what they do. And what you find out is old habits die hard. And that people like to hold on to their baggage. And that some of the people in your life that you pour out your heart and you open your life for the most, when they go through a Haran in their life, they will want you to be stuck in Haran with them rather than you getting to Canaan where you set out in the journey with them. And, and it leaves you in a predicament. Because sometimes what begins to happen is you have to leave people to die in Haran so that you yourself can get to Canaan. Or guess what? You will die in their Haran too. It's a bad cycle that we exist with. But we tried to cope with that. There are some people that have issues with just the statement and are afraid of a term, I love you. There are people who are afraid to say, I'm sorry. There are people who are afraid to say, I love you, or to hear, I love you, because that came with a lot of baggage somewhere else. And so they won't go there. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. A bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but it can also poison the lives of many what? Others. Right there in Scripture, there it is. Right there in scripture, it tells you that if you have a bitter spirit, you're going to poison other people's lives. You can come to church. You can read the Bible cover to cover. You can say, I've been a Christian. You can have a, a certificate that says you got dunked in the river or you dunked in a pool or spit upon. I don't know. Whatever. You can have all that stuff. You can have the pins from Sunday school that can be here to your shoe sole. But if you have a bitter spirit in, in your life, you are going to ruin people. And you're going to ruin yourself and you're going to die in Haran and never get to Canaan. What does having a bitter spirit do? It does three things. And we have these in your bulletin. Number one, it makes us defensive. Someone hurt me. Boom, 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 boom. boom. Build my wall. Right? 
We're building a wall. Anybody tried to build a wall? We build a wall. We peek over it. We got our guns out. We got everything out. We're like, I'm building a wall. Nobody's getting into this wall. When, when back 11 years ago, when I was appointed the pastor in Lewis, Delaware, great people there, great people at, um, in, in Elkton, and I dealt with a lot of church politics around that time, things that were out of my control. And I had made a decision because of hurting that I was gonna build up some walls around me as a pastor. I was gonna be one of those pastors who preached and then went out the back door so I didn't shake hands with anybody. I was gonna be a pastor that could hide in the office and tell I, I couldn't see anybody. I was not gonna form relationships with people. Boom, 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 I built some good walls. And what I found out is when in, with living with my walls, it hurt me because that's not who I am. I think I'm protecting myself. I thought I was protecting myself. But really, it was keeping those out who really loved me. And if you think that you can build a wall and be fine, the whole thing is no one is an island. You need love from somebody. You need real love from somebody. God created us to be together. So that's the first thing. I was, I was defensive. We can be defensive. Another thing is it makes us distant. It makes us distant. We withdraw. Be honest. How many of you have ever been in an argument and you do this? How many of you have ever done it? You know what you're doing? Ooh, withdrawing. How many of you ever, how many of you ever did the argument where you're like, right? We withdraw. How many of you ever got in a car, slammed the door, slammed the door to the house, gotten out, walked out, boom, drove down the road, and you're like, what the heck am I doing? Have you seen the price of gas? You know what I mean? And when you're, because remember, you do stupid stuff when you're hurt. And you just drive, you just go places, you do weird stuff, you know? And so we become distant. I can tell you when, when I've been hurt and when I'm hurting in myself, one of the things I will do is I pull back and I block off. I don't want to answer, I don't want to talk, I don't want to hear anybody. I don't, some days I'll just get up and I'll just be nasty and I'll be silent. Melissa and I had to develop this relationship where I actually went to her and started to say, I'm just ticked off today and I don't feel it. It's nothing about you. Because what I was doing was harming the relationship I had with my wife and it had nothing to do with her or the kids. It had everything to do with the baggage that I was dealing relationally with, but I was pulling myself back away from everybody. So I put up walls and now I'm, now I'm secure. All right? So we're distant. We retreat and pull back. And the other thing that it does, and this is where we really influence others, it makes us demanding. Anybody had anybody who's been demanding? Anybody demanding when you deal with these relational scars? You're controlling. You just are mean. You're mean. Everybody say you're mean. You're mean. Have you ever been to somebody who's just mean? Just they're mean. And they might sit next to you in the church, but they're mean. They'll say mean things. If they don't get it their way, it can't be God's way. My way is God's way. Right? They actually, but what I find out about people who are just so mean and who are demanding when they're hurting is the thing is they are really the most insecure people that ever walked the face of the earth. 
and they want to utilize their hurt to affect other people and give them baggage. I could write volumes on 20 years of people who have been hurt, who have been so demanding. Demanding. And, and I will tell you, I will warn you also, that when you're open and you see potential people, you are going to get their baggage. You're going to. It's just how it works. Unless you decide to learn how. In Genesis 12, look at what happened here. Here you have Terah. He sets off with his son and his nephew to go to Canaan. But on the way, his hurt is so bad, he says, I'm not going there. I'm staying here. Abraham and Lot and family say, uh-uh, that's not what we looked for. He said, I'm staying here. I'm in Iran. You don't understand. You don't know what I've been through. You haven't lost a son. You don't even have a son. Your wife can't have a son. You think that adds more baggage? Oh, yeah, I guarantee you that was said. And then he says, no, this is where we're going to stay. Lot, you should stay here. This is the place named for your daddy. You should stay here too. Guilt? You see the baggage is just flowing around? And look what happened. Abraham and Lot, we learn in, in Genesis chapter 12, had to leave his father and grandfather to get to where God wanted them to be. The family, because of Terah's brokenness in Iran, was broken apart. And those relationships were broken because they, Abram knew, I'm not called to this place of pain. I'm called to a place of blessing and promise. And if you want to stay there, I'm going to have to make a choice to break off your demanding relationship in order to get where God needs me to be. Isn't that amazing? All this in this little verse we skip over. Number three, and this is probably the most important Relational wounds destroy our relationship with God. Our relationship with God and our relationship with people are so intertwined, you can't separate them. In Matthew 11, verse 25, it says, When you are praying first, forgive anyone you're holding on to a grudge so that your Father in heaven will forgive them too. In other words, what God's saying is, don't come to me unless you've, forgiven, unless you've gone to them and forgiven them. In other words, I can't receive from God what I can't give. Love God and love others. How many of you like the Lord's Prayer? How many have ever said the Lord's Prayer? All right. You're probably not going to now. Because look, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven. Notice that's a past tense. As we have forgiven our debtors. In other words, once again, you're saying, God, you're going to forgive me because I've forgiven others. We can't go ahead and say, God, forgive me, but that sucker, let me tell you about that. You can't do that. You can try, but you're not going to be forgiven. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Forgiveness, as Jesus says, is conditional. See that intertwined? It's a dangerous prayer, the Lord's Prayer. God, forgive me the same way I forgive others. How many of you would like to say that prayer today? God, forgive me the same way I, that I forgive others in my life. We better stop praying that prayer, huh? All right? It just seemed nice to say at different places. But, you know, I got to tell you, in preparing the service, I wanted a flashier, kinder way to say this, but there's just not one in Scripture. But here's the good news. God specializes in healing the hurting heart. Some of you will say, mm -mm, I'm not going there, not going to go there, not going to go there. 
And by you not going there, you're not going to get there. By you not forgiving, you will lose all the blessings that God has because you won't go through forgiveness. Psalm 147, as we mentioned last week, gives us a great promise. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. The Bible tells us that the stuff that is attached to us that we call baggage in the, in the biblical word is called stronghold. Stronghold, because it has a strong hold on your life. How do we get rid of that? We talked about it a little bit last week. We've got to transform our minds. We've got to transform the way we think. It's difficult to do, and I'm telling you, it's even more difficult to accept. When we say, I'm not going there. I've, I've met so many people, I'm not going to go there. You don't know how the, you, I, I'm not going to go talk to Tara. He told me, he gave me guilt telling me I need to stay where the town where my daddy was. He told my wife that she can't have kids. He knows that's a touchy bar. But we, could, we could go through all that stuff. And I've had so many people say, I'm not going there. You don't know what I've been through. And I say, you know what? I don't know what you've been through. But let me ask you something. How's that working for you? And what I find out is most people who hold on to that are miserable people. You know, there is, there's actually a bit, the revenge business is really big in the world and in America. Um, there are several things. There is a website called Masters of Revenge where you can send people all kinds of stuff. Um, you, did somebody say cool? All right. Um, let me tell you what you can do. You can go ahead and you can send anonymous text messages, fake caller ID messages, fake emails, nuisance calls. You can call them all kinds of time through the day and night and just mess with them with bad things. You can send greeting cards that are bad. You can send sick and twisted gifts. That's what it says. You can send anonymous letters, offensive posts, revenge packages, you can send video messages. You can actually have, which is something really big, you can form your own revenge website, which a man did for his ex-wife. Um, um, you can send, let me see what else, um, revenge packages, fake photos. They'll Photoshop that person in bad situations. You can send um, voodoo dolls. Um, you can send certificates of merit, which are not really good merits. Um, anonymous faxes. You, will, you can pay the company and they will send phone call. They will phone call the person constantly. But that's not all. I found another site, and I'm not lying to you. It is called poopsenders.com. And you can place an order, and, and for, uh, for $15.95 plus $7.95 shipping, you can send one quart of cow dung to somebody. You can send a gallon for $25 plus $10 shipping. You can send, it says right here, elephant crap a quarter of it for the same price. Um, who doesn't want a gallon of gorilla poop sent to you? You can send gorilla poop to someone. And they have a new poop pack combo where you can send three types of poop in one package. I'm not lying. Look. But do you think anybody uses this? Oh, yeah. Let's listen to the customer testimonials. Not only was your poop some of the finest poop ever sent in the mail... But your placement of the, quote, want to find out who sent this card, end quote, card within the poop forces the pooped on to actually sift through the poop only to find out you'll never tell them who sent it. (laughs) I just finally heard back from the pooped on friend and I almost pooped myself. (laughs) When I heard he dug through the poop to find out who sent it to him, I thought it was hilarious. Now, I was passed over for a promotion at work about a month ago for a young single girl with half my experience by a boss half my age. 
He's the know-it-all type, and she's a big flirt. This has been bothering me ever since it happened. Once I found your site, I wasted no time in ordering the biggest pile of poop I ever could get. I was so sat- it was so satisfying to see him open that overnight envelope in view of about six other employees and that big uh, bag of cow poop on- hit his desk. Everyone that saw it got the biggest giggle at his expense when his face turned red. Thanks, poop senders. Your right revenge is sweet. And I'll give you one more. I sent a pile of poop to my neighbor to let her know that her dog poops in my yard in everyone's yard. She must have gotten the message because now she carries a plastic bag around with her and actually cleans up after the dog. She never did that before. Thanks for a job well done. You too, right? Now, see, here's the problem. Some of you are saying, oh, I want to send this to someone. I know you, I know you, I know you. That's not the point of this. But what I'm here to tell you is that this is where we are in our life. Ultimately, you aren't hurting anybody but yourself and maybe the mailman who has to deliver it. But so what do we do? How do we work through this healing process? There are three things that I'm going to share you as we wind down today. The first thing that we've got to do is reveal that hurt. In order to work through the healing process, we need to reveal the hurt. We usually bury it. We say, I've got this myself. I've got it. I'm okay. I got to tell you, this is one of the things that has been the biggest benefits of small group ministries and to be closely connected with other people. You know, coming here, and I, I did a sermon many years ago about rows and circles and the power of circles. When you're in a circle, you connect to people. You don't have to connect to anybody when you're sitting in a row. And, and I want to tell you, you know, during, during what I say today, you can easily go, yeah. But it's not going to affect your life nearly as much as if you sit across from somebody and say, you know what Jack was talking about on Sunday about the, the baggage you know, I got to tell you, I've been carrying around a lot of baggage in my life. I've been carrying around this relational baggage because of what happened with my mother or my father or, or because of uh, a situation and because I've hated someone and I've had this. And when you have that and you have somebody to bounce that off of, that's where your life gets transformed when you're together. We've got some small groups coming up for Radical. And we have a few others that go on throughout the year, some that pick back, back, uh, pick back up in the fall and continue all year long. And I want you to just open your life and your heart to those things. It's a great relationship. One of the most awesome things to see is when people who don't know anybody connect in a small group and become close, peop- close friends and, 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 um, and just know each other in a deeper way. Some of you may want to host, and what do you do that? You just open up your house and throw out some chips. That's all you got to do, and we'll help you work through the rest of the stuff. Psalm 32.3 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away in, in my groaning all day long. Psalm 39 says, But when I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. I want to tell you, if you keep keep it to yourself and deal with it yourself, Psalm 39.2 will become your life first. Your anguish will increase. You've got to let it out. I wish that there was a better, easier way to deal with this, but there's not. And I'm going to tell you what number two is that's even not a better way. Release the people involved. Release the people involved. I wish there was another way than the F word, forgiveness. There isn't. 
The longer you hold something against someone, the more you're going to start to act and be just exactly like them, if not worse. You'll do the same to others who they don't, and you may say, well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Guess what? Neither do you from God. How often, how many times do I have to forgive, Jack? How often do I, this was a good discussion. And you look at this scripture from uh, Matthew chapter 18. Jesus was talking about that. And it said, Peter said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sinned against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, what does that mean? Because in the Jewish tradition, three times was what the rabbi said you had to forgive somebody. Wouldn't you like to go back to Old Testament rabbis? You just have to forgive somebody three times, write them off. So look at, look at Simon Peter. He's doubling it and adding one. He's like, I'm good. I'm going to go three, three, and I'm even going to add one. And Jesus said, nope, 70 times 70. He's like, what? That's not right. That's not fair. But he was trying to be good. He was trying to, to work it out. He was better than everybody else walking around. But Jesus said, you He's not saying go ahead and keep a tally mark and have a spreadsheet of I've forgiven them 70 times, six, you know, uh, not that. He's saying you'll lose count, and you should lose count. Jesus then tells a parable. It's about the unmerciful servant. He follows it right up about that. And he says, basically, the servant owed money, a lot of money, to his boss, to his master, and, the, and he came and he threw himself on the mercy of his master. His master could have had him thrown in jail or killed or other things until he paid it back. And he said, you know what? I'm going to forgive you. And that servant then walked out and saw somebody who owed him just a little bit of money. And he said, throw that sucker in jail. He doesn't have my money. And the master came back and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you so much and you wouldn't forgive that little thing. Take him away. So what you have here." It doesn't work for you if you hold on to hurt. If you see what God has done for you in Jesus and the grace that he has, you will learn that Jesus is our model. In 1 Peter 2, Peter says when they hurled, talking about Jesus, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him, God who judges justly. So after I reveal the pain and I release the person through forgiveness, Here's the best part. Here's the coolest part. I then can refocus on God's plan for my life. Because remember what I said, it's not really about the situation. It's not about the situation. It's about Satan stopping you from getting to the promised land, the land of blessing where God called you. Right? Right? And if that's where it is, then once we, once we go ahead and reveal the pain, what it is, and we release the person... We don't have to stay in Haran anymore. We can get on moving to the promised land. And I'll give you a great example in Genesis about a guy named Joseph. That's what our whole Bible school was this year. And Joseph had some brothers. And you know what their brothers did? Took him. He was a mama's boy. And they took him. They threw him in a hole. And they sold him into slavery. That means your brothers really, really don't like you. Right? Anybody have a sibling? Anybody ever fought with your sibling? Anybody sometimes don't like your sibling? And guess what? How many ever tried to sell them into slavery? How many thought about it? All right? So what you have is that's a situation. They threw him into slavery. His life was bad for year after year, but God kept making something happen. And at the point where he could have them all killed, he goes ahead. He did have some fun with them. But here's what he says. 
He could really nail them at this point. He could have mailed them uh, gorilla poop at this point. But here's what he does. In Genesis 50, am I in the place of God? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Am I in the place of God? He says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God. Everybody say, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now to be done. What is now being done. That's my hope and prayer for you all here today and online. That whatever has gone to you, that you are not in the place of God and what people have done to you and given you the baggage and thrown their baggage upon you. And I'm preaching to me today as well that in this situation, that you'll realize that what God, what others intended for bad, God intended for good so that what he can do through you right now can happen. As we close down, I want this verse just to speak to you. Just, just listen to it. Job, who went through a lot of relational baggage, in Job eleven thirteen through 16, says this. Put your heart right. Reach out to God. Then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then some, no. Then all your troubles will what? Fade from your memory like the floods that are past and remembered no more. What's the first thing we got to do? Once we've done all these things to heal and we're refocusing, put your heart right by reaching out to God. Get right with God. Then face the world again. We so often don't want to get right with God. Don't want, we want to hold on to our baggage. And then we come up and we say, I got to deal with the world and the world isn't any more fun. We can't deal with it firm and courageous unless we're right before God. And then all your troubles will fade from memory like the floods that are past and remember no more. Right now in Ellicott City, they've got bad floods. Guess what? In a couple months, year, after everything's cleaned up, it'll be a distant memory. That's what we need to do with our baggage. And so I don't have a spot for your takeaway today, but I'm going to give you one anyway. Here's, my, here's what I want you to do. Don't let your Haran, your mountain or your hill, your place of hurt, keep you from God's Canaan. Canaan, what does Canaan mean? It literally means a traitor or a land of purple or a place of riches and blessing. That's God's will for your life. Not that you will be captivated and stuck in Haran and you die there, but that you'll be free and you'll move on to the place of blessing. Sound good? Amen. Let's pray. Please stand where you are. Lord God, we come to you today, and um, we recognize that during the series that everybody here, we can sit here and we can say, yep, yep, yep. We can say, nope, nope, nope. We can say whatever we want, but God, unless we follow through these processes and we really open up our lives and we give our hearts and lives to you, we will carry baggage with us throughout each and every step of our life. We have, as we started this series, we got, and as we talked about today, we've got to go ahead, number one, and reveal our haran, reveal our hurt. So many of us have had a place of hurt. We got to claim that baggage. Yeah, I got it. Here it is. We got to go to you. And God, as we talked about last week, that affects our emotions. It affects the way we act. As we talked about today, it affects not only those, not only me or the one who affected me, but it also affects the relationships that are good because I can't let anybody love me if I, if I put up my walls 
and I get defensive and I get distant and I get demanding, that just makes me even worse than the person that did the stuff to me in the first place. And so God, right now, we got to stop throwing baggage at each other. We got to stop it. It's kind of like the people in here are old enough to remember the old Samsonite commercial with a gorilla throwing the baggage around. That's how we live life. Throwing it around, throwing it around, throwing it around, throwing it around. And God, we get nowhere except more and more buried and more and more frustrated, more and more distant from you. I know that there are people who sat in this room. I know that there are people who have been part of our church because of baggage in their lives elsewhere have looked and have somehow blamed you and become distant from you because of the mountain, the haran of baggage that they have. And God, they're there and they're dying. And I just want to pray for them, whether they're here today or whether um, they're online, watching church online, or whether they see this three years from now, that God, right where they are, they won't be like Tara and get stuck in the mountain of despair, but that they will let it go reveal the hurt, release the people that caused the hurt, and they will refocus on your plan for their life so they can get to the place of blessing. Because it's a pattern, God. First, we've been wronged. We stuck and we don't get to our full potential. We start ruining relationships around us. And ultimately, the greatest relationship is severed, and that's the one with you. And we'll say things like, oh, I'm good, just me and Jesus sitting here today. We, Jesus and I are good on our own. But God, nobody's good on their own. We need each other, and we need you. And so today, right now, I am just going to call on your Holy Spirit to move in this place and search the deep places in our soul the deep places of our hurt, the one that we've covered up with so much baggage and coping mechanism to say, hey, I got it all together, I'm fine, but really we're not. It's taken us to a place where you don't, of, of death, where we're gonna die in, miserable and hateful people if we don't release it and get on to the calling that you have for our lives. And so right now, if you're here today and you have some sort of baggage, because we've said everybody's got it, and you're tired of trying to figure out how to make it work, then right now just raise your hands, just raise your hand where you are. And by raising your hand, you're going to say this, even if you're at home, even if you're riding down the road, just raise your hand. Make sure one hand's on the steering wheel, but raise your hand and just say, God, I'm done with this, and I need I need to be free from baggage. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. There we go. There we go. And if some of you are still in denial, look at your life. Would you be a friend of yours? Would you want to spend time with you? Would the way that you treat others, would that be the way you want to be treated? Are you poisoning the relationships because of your heart? Are you groaning all day and your anguish is increasing? If that's you, and you really know that to be you, and you want to be released from that, and you want to be healed, go ahead and take that step here today and say, I do, raise your hand where you are. And if you've never connected to Christ and your life has just been broken, and you need Jesus, you need something in your life, and today you're here, you don't even know why, but you're starting to open up that there's this God who loves you, and that what the church has proposed, that your experience with church has left you broken, and keeping from your full potential. That what you've experienced, what people have said about God, you can't live up to. 
I, I want you to hear today that Jesus loves you just who, the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there, and he wants to take your heart, your hurt, and he wants to take you and bring you through your Haran to a place of blessing. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus today, just say, just raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me. And so God, right now, I just want to go ahead and pray for everybody here gathered here. God, move in a mighty way in us. Because if we are going to begin to even think about being radical, we've got to get rid of the baggage that, is, that Satan has thrown in our way to keep us from where you called us to be in our full potential. And so God, I pray for this church. I pray for each person here. I pray for the people that are going to come in. I pray for the people that have left here because of their brokenness. That God, you will touch them and heal them and restore them wherever you may lead them, that they won't get stuck in their hurt. But God, that you will give them their full potential. And so the remainder of the time here today, the altar is open for you. The altar is a place where we put stuff down, put your baggage down, and let some of the Stephen ministers or myself pray with you that God, you can make a way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's my mic. There we go. So before we sing the song, I just wanted to say something really quick that um, everything Jack said was 100% true. And I can say it from experience. I'm not trying to cry. Because when I came to Haven, I was a mess. You can ask Jack, you can ask Wayne, you can ask anybody. I was a mess. I had a lot of this baggage stuff. And it was the stuff that you have to leave it in Haran so that you can get to where you got to go. And there was a lot of guilt involved with that. I felt like maybe I shouldn't be doing that because when you leave somebody you love behind... It's not how it's supposed to be. But sometimes you have to. And you do, and you move on. And when you just allow yourself to be led by God, he starts kind of cracking you apart. And it hurts, and it's not fun. And you don't feel like it's right. You feel guilty. You feel like you're doing something wrong. But it's been, how long have I been here? About three years, four years. And it's been a process, but I can say that I've left her on and I'm on my way and it feels fantastic. It feels great now and it's wonderful and it hurts at first, but don't let that stop you from leaving her on and getting to where you need to go, even if you have to leave behind things that you think are very important to get there because it matters and it matters for you because you are going to make a difference in somebody else's life, but only in a positive way if you can move on. So I just wanted to say... It's true. Do it, even though it hurts. Now I'm just saying, bear with me. <laughs> Take your time. Everybody just sing together.
Anybody feeling lighter? That baggage is like boomerang. It wants to come back. Don't let it come back. Um, if you need to pray with anybody, we'll be here. I know the receiving ministers will be here. I'll be here if you just need to pray a little bit more, um, whatever it may be. But ultimately, I hope you have an awesome week in Jesus, that you come to know him more and you come to love him even more than you ever thought you could. Um, next week, we're going to start our, our several-week series called Baggage. Um, that was this week, but we're going to start Radical. I've still got my baggage, I tell you. Um, and uh, so we will have Radical, and we'll begin that next week. Um, it's going to press. It's going to press me to give the messages. It's going to press us as Christians. But that's what, if you look, that's what Jesus did to his disciples, didn't he? He pressed them all, even to the point that all of them died a martyr's death but one. And so, um, so I, I just pray that um, you'll pray that prayer that is in your bulletin. If you'll join me in just praying that every day as we go forth. And have a great week. Don't send anybody any poop, particularly me. If you do, God knows who you are, and he will get you. So have an awesome week. God bless.